are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning, everybody. That's better. These are the most unusual of times to think about our kids going back to school and students going back to college campuses uh, during a pandemic. We live in a world where there's a lot of anxiety right now. In, in light of all of that, in our nation, we have a great deal of tension, racial tension, political tension, and it's all happening in the year of a presidential election. Do you feel concern for your nation? I do. I feel what you're feeling. In the midst of all of this, let me remind you that God is with us. So whether you're seated at home and you're with family members or friends or you're in the room, turn to somebody and just say to them, God is with us. We believe that God is with us through all of this. He is. Amen. Our world has been shaken this week here in the BFC community at the passing of Abby Bropston. Abby learned uh, at the age of 35 that she had stage 4 metastatic bile duct cancer. At the age of 37, last Thursday, Abby passed away. And our hearts are just broken. Uh, I, I loved Chris's words about Abby's smile and his prayer. Abby was full of faith. And she was infectious. And we all loved her very much. And, and we all felt blessed to have been loved by Abby. You know, Abby believed deep in her heart. And God told her early on when she learned she had cancer uh, that he was going to be with her. And she said over and over again, God has proven himself to be faithful. He has walked with me every step of the way through this. I remember on April the 8th. I sent Abby a text early one morning after I prayed for her because she had a scan later that day. And I said, Abby, just want you to know we're praying for you. And, and Abby responded by saying, you know, yesterday was a great day. She said, we delivered groceries for the grocery outpost. And I'll be honest with you, there was a little bit of me when I read those words saying, Abby, should you really be focusing on other people and their needs when you're in such a tough time in your life right now and you have so many needs? And do you even feel physically able enough to get out and go deliver groceries for the grocery outpost? She said after that we went by and saw my Mimi, her grandmother, and we talked to her from the car. And then we saw some other sweet friends. And then last night my girls and I made muffins at home. And she said, Pastor Rick, I feel so full this morning that there is no room for fear because God is with me every step of the way. It was just awesome to read her words. So here's what I want to say to you about Abby. And here's what I found so interesting about her. That when Abby was diagnosed with cancer, and then when Abby would go to the doctor and there would be a scan, and the scan was not revealing what any of us had hoped or prayed that we would hear. Or when Abby never heard her doctors say the words, Abby, we're going to beat this thing. They never said anything like that. Abby, we're going to be able to cure you of this cancer. Those words were never, ever discussed, never uttered. In light of all of that, 
I never saw Abby ever say to her husband, Michael, or ever make some decision in her life that, you know, we've really got to change the way we're living. I mean, if they're giving me this kind of diagnosis, I mean, maybe, Michael, we should make some changes in our lives. Instead, I saw Abby continue to live her life the way she had been living ever since I'd known her. It wasn't like major changes needed to be made. I think in seasons like these, God speaks to all of us. And so I always am intrigued when I ask people this question, and I ask people often, if you could know, if there was a way that you could know the day that you're going to die, or maybe even the year that you're going to die, would you want to know? Would you want to know if you could know? And most people say, I wouldn't want to know. I'm one of those people who say, I I don't want to know. But once in a while, I talk to people, and it's not that uncommon that somebody says, I want to know. And I'm like, really, you would want to know. And people say to me, absolutely, I would want to know. So if you could know, or, or if, if the doctor ever looked you in the eye and said, six months at the most, would you have to change the way that you live now? I'm, I'm not talking about there might be people you wanted to say goodbye to, or some things that would be important that you'd want to do. I'm talking about morally and ethically, and in your relationships with other people, and in your relationship with God. Would you have to make changes in the way that you live your life today? Abby didn't have to make any changes. Because to borrow a phrase that we talked about a few weeks ago from 1 Peter, she had been living her life all along with the end in mind. So come on, look me in the eye for a minute. If you knew your life was going to come to an end soon, would you feel a need to make changes? Or are you already living your life with the end in mind? So this is where we find ourselves in First Peter today in chapter 4, verse 7. If you want to grab a Bible and open it to that passage, okay? Simon Peter is saying, the end of all things is near. In other words, he believed, and all the people that were reading his writing believed, that their lives would be short-lived. For one of two reasons. Number one, either they would be persecuted to death because of their faith. Living in such a hostile environment to be a Christian, they would be killed because of their faith. Or the return of Jesus was imminent. Jesus was coming soon. He says, so since the end is near, therefore this is how we should live. And and this is the basis of what he's saying today. Since the end is near, what we've got to do is love and serve others. If you've only got a little bit of time left, okay, then you've really got to turn up focusing on everybody else. See, to me that seems unnatural. If you told me today, Rick, you've just got four months to live. It seems natural to say, well, let's, let's focus on me and what I need and, and things that I want to do and the things I want to get done, the things I want to accomplish. Simon Peter says, no, if you've only got a little bit of time, you don't focus on yourself. You focus on everybody else. You love and you serve others. And it's why Abby Brobston didn't need to make any changes when she learned her diagnosis. 
I'm just going to keep living like I've been living. Loving, serving others. So let me take you to this passage, okay? 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll begin with verse 7. Here we go. So, the end of all things is near. They believed it with everything in them. They lived with expectations that Jesus was coming any day or will be killed because of our faith. Therefore, since that's the case, be alert and of sober mind so that you may what? Pray. Did you not love last Sunday's sermon with Dr. David Busick? Did it change the way you prayed this week? It was, it was awesome. He talked about interceding and praying for others. Pray for the people that you live with and that are closest to you. Pray for ministry partners. Uh, pray about the things that are important to you. And then he said, pray for divine appointments. Man, it has been great for me. It's a great creative way to think about prayer. And it's been awesome for me this week. Okay? So next slide. Here we go. Above all, I want you to read the yellow letters with me in unison. Okay? Love each other deeply. Do you understand that he's not saying since the end is near, focus on yourself. No, he's talking about other people. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Here we go. Offer hospitality. Live with your arms open. God, bring somebody into my life today. Give me the wisdom to recognize them and the grace to open my arms to them. Again, the focus is not on me. If you don't have much time left, what are you going to do? You're going to offer hospitality. You're going to love others deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should, here we go, use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Again, if you just got a little bit of time, you don't want to focus on yourself. You've got to really pour into others. So whatever gifts God's given you, use them to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. This is our goal. To Him be the glory. To Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. A few years ago, I read a book called The Good and Beautiful Community. It's a community I want to live in. The Good and Beautiful Community. Written by a guy named James Bryan Smith. He said at the time... I was a chaplain at a university, and I got a call from a pastor that pastored a church near the university, and he said, could we have lunch? And I said, sure. So when I met him for lunch, he said, James, here we are sitting so close to a university, yet we have no college students who attend our church and almost no young people at all. We're getting pretty old here at the church. We need some young people. What I would love to do is give a donation to what you're doing at the university. And he told me the amount of money. And it was a lot of money. They had money at this church. James said, I begin to think immediately. Our worship services on campuses could be so much more creative. We could provide much better retreats, spiritual retreats for our students. We could take them on mission trips around the world. 
The only thing we're asking in return, James, is that you teach a class at our church on Sunday mornings for college students. And so he said, I prayed about it. I love the idea of college students being involved in local churches. I'll do it. And so he said, before long, within a month or so, we had about 25 college students come into that class every Sunday morning. A couple of months into it, I think things are going great. Lots of students are coming. And the pastor calls me. We need another meeting. I met him for lunch. He said, James, we have a problem. Oh, yeah, what's the problem? The college students are coming to the class, but then they're leaving. They're either going to another church or they're going home. They're not staying for the service. James, if you can't get this fixed, the money stops and there's no need to have the class. And so James said, I wasn't staying for the services because my home church was a few miles away and my family was attending there. And I began to talk to students and I said, why aren't you, why aren't you coming back? Why aren't you staying for the service? They said, nobody seems to know we're here. Nobody talks to us. We really don't feel welcome. So we don't stay. We tried it for a few weeks and we quit. He says, let me contrast that story to another story. I got a phone call a couple of years later from a church that said, um, we live so close to the university here. Um, we're, we're all old at our church, but we still feel like there ought to be something we can do for these college students, but we don't know what it is. Would you come and sit down with us and talk to us about what maybe we could do to bless college students? And so he said, I sat down with them and I said, well, number one, um, College students are always hungry, and they're usually broke, and the cafeteria in those days, it's not open on Sundays. And, and, and I think that one thing that you could do for college kids is feed them. And they said, well, we're good cooks. We could do that. And he said, the second thing is that they're a long way from home, many of them, and just to feel welcomed and loved. And they said, well, we can love on people. He said, you know, I'll bring some college students with me next Sunday. And he said, so about six college students, my wife and I showed up at the church, and we felt welcome. You could tell they were really, really glad we were there. I mean, they were glad we were there. And then after the service, which wasn't all that great, um, we went into the fellowship hall. And they began taking aluminum foil off of casserole dishes, and we ate until we could not move. And I enjoyed it and the students enjoyed it. And that became my home church and the home church of many college students over the next several years. And he simply asked the question, what's the difference? The first church was saying, we're focused on ourselves. We're trying to think about our future. The second church said, how can we serve somebody? How can we be a blessing in somebody's life? I mean, if you look out that window, there's a college. I mean, you can see it. There's a university right there. And I really believe here at Bethany First Church, and, and I see college students back today. It's awesome to see you guys uh, kind of all over back there. I'm glad you're here. I mean, I think most of us should have a pretty solid relationship with some university students. 
See, here's, here's the struggle. The bad news. The bad news is simply this. That, that we are tempted to adopt the values and to be shaped by the world in which we live. That says, I need to focus on me and I need to think about my money, and I need to think about my happiness, and I need to think about my needs, and I need to think about what matters to me. That's the bad news. The good news is, the more we are steeped in the kingdom of God, the more we begin to say, you know what? God's got me. I can look out for you. The temptation has always been, and the temptation will always be, it is today, to focus on ourselves instead of focusing on others. And Simon Peter says, let me tell you something. Whether you've got a lot of life left or little life left, you've got to focus on loving and serving others. It's so important. Now, I, I don't know how many of you in the room would say that you love country music. Just maybe a show of hands. This is Oklahoma. Surely we got, you know, cowboy boots somewhere and big belt buckles and country music, right? Back in, I think, 2004, Tim McGraw, country music singer. Shout out for Tim. Anybody in the room? Okay. Live like you were dying. You remember the song? Written from the perspective of a man who thought he only had a little bit of time left on earth. And he said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I spent 2.7 seconds on a bull named... I knew you listened to country music. But I think some of the lyrics in the song are worthy of us looking at. Here's what he said. He said, and I loved deeper and I spoke sweeter and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And became a friend a friend would like to have. I finally read the good book and I took a good long hard look. At what I'd do if I had to do it all again. And the last line has always gotten my attention. Someday he said, I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. If you knew you had a short time left... Would you have to make the changes that he made? Or would you say, no, I'm, I'm already living that way. Pastor Rick, I have been living my life for a long time with the end in mind. And Simon Peter says to this Congregation after congregation after congregation in Asia Minor, people who are suffering because of their faith, you know you probably don't have long. They're probably going to take your life or Jesus is going to come back soon. If you've only got a little bit of time left, you've got to live like you're dying. That means you've got to spend your life loving on and serving other people. Henry Jowett a devotional writer that has blessed my heart morning after morning, year after year, says it this way. Live not as pilgrims of time, but as children of eternity. And so if you did an evaluation of your life this morning... 
Pastor Rick, when I think about the way I spend my time, when I think about the way I spend my money, when I think about the way I entertain myself, when I think about my relationships with other people, when I think about my relationship with God, do I walk away saying I'm a pilgrim of time or do I walk away saying, no, I'm a child of eternity? You know what a bucket list is. I think there was a movie or a book back years ago that kind of popularized that idea. It's, it's, it's places that I would want to visit or, or things that I would want to do before I die. And sometimes I'll say to somebody, have you ever been to Alaska? And they'll say, it's on my bucket list. Probably some of you in the room would say, I got some things on a bucket list, some things I want to do in my life. So just... Just think with me for a minute. Kingdom kind of thinking, okay? Simon Peter says, if you know that you don't have much time left, you know what you should do? He says, you should come up with a bucket list. No, he doesn't. You should think about yourself and some things you want to do and places you want. No, he doesn't. Because in the kingdom of God, we think differently. If you've only got a little left, You should deliver groceries for the grocery outpost. <laughs> like she did. You should love others. You should serve others. You don't got much time, man. You got to focus on everybody else. You know. And so, he makes it really clear and simple. Here we go. Since the end is near, love each other deeply. Do you love people? Do you ever think, do I love people enough? Offer hospitality. Live with your arms open. God, bring people into my life today. Give me the wisdom to recognize that you brought them into my life. And give me the grace to open my arms. to. Come on, hang out with me. I'll make time for you. I'll, I'll make room for you in my life. Come on, be with me. Serve others. Whatever gifts, Simon Peter, God has given you, use those gifts to serve other people. So here's what I've been doing. I've been, I've been reading lately about the early church, okay? The early church. And, and here's what's going on in the early church. The early church... It just shouldn't have grown. I mean, think about it. If you join these people, you might lose your life. But yet it grew by, I'm not making this up, millions. Now, I understand by the time we get to year 300 or so, and Constantine becomes the emperor and aligns himself with Christianity, of course, the church grows. But up until that point, no way. Historians and scholars say, we rack our brains trying to understand why the church was so attractive to people. And it wasn't because they were opening their doors saying, come to our church. They were actually closing the doors. Deacons are standing outside the door. And if you're an outsider, you can't come unless you're a Christian. Seriously. And people were saying, please let me in. No. <laughs> no, we want to come. No, you can't come in until you're a Christian. And it grows by millions. What was it about that early church that people said, we want to be a part of you. Let us in. 
It was that outward focus. It was the Jesus way. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to give my life. I mean, when you think that the leader, the founder of the Christian church that grows even in persecution, served and loved and laid down his life and then he died. And the church just kept going. See, the church is supposed to stand out because of our love. So let me talk about Abby one more time and then I'm going to be done, okay? But I was with her family yesterday. And I sat in their home and we planned the funeral service that will happen here on Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning. And we were talking about Abby's love for others and her service for others, to others. And her parents said, Rick, there's something about not only Abby, but there's this group of friends that Abby has. And it's how they live their lives. We've, we've never seen it like this in any other community. I mean, if there's a hint of a need, they go meet the need. And Dad and I said, we know. We, we watched these friends of Abby's and Abby, and, and we've watched over these eight years how they live their lives. They get it. I've been amazed. See, see, when we serve and we give, God transforms us, but something else happens. People see Jesus, and they see what God is like, and faith is born. Father, would you help us to be like Jesus? I mean, he's the one who started this whole thing. Didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Greater love, Jesus says, no man has had than he lays down his life for his friends. Jesus opened his arms to everybody, Lord, and said, come to me. And so help us to be like Jesus. Search our hearts today and let us be the church that you dream of us being. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.